We don't want to step over dollars to pick up pennies by like yeah. cutting corners to save on bookkeeping um, when then you might be missing huge write-offs tax-wise because the information wasn't where it should have been or organized correctly. So it's a business. We've got to gotta treat our rentals like a business. It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions? Well, you've come to the right spot. Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, accompanied by our guest for the week, Natalie Kalati. And today we are the two smart assets. For those not familiar with Natalie, she is an IRS enrolled agent and a real estate tax strategist with a focus on creating unique tax strategies for those building wealth through real estate. Natalie, it's great to see you. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Pumped to have this conversation. You know, it's very timely considering we're in prime time tax season. I know you're swamped. Uh, I know we talked a little bit uh, about that before the show, but uh, you know, we're going to talk about some tax strategies and some tax tax tips for for real estate investors. But before we do that, um, tell us more about your background, your story, and how you got into tax strategy and real estate. Yeah, absolutely. So. I kind of fell into the two. I went to school to um, for accounting and tax. So went to school for five years. Um, and I knew I always wanted to be in involved in real estate, but I didn't really know how. Sure. And then right after college, um, I actually did what you shouldn't do, which is I took one of those like weekend guru seminars, like oh, yeah. someone sponsored from TV kind of thing <laughs> where they try to upsell you on a $50,000 package. Um, <laughs> so I was smart enough to not do that part, but I left nice. with more questions than I started with. So mm -hmm. that led me to bigger pockets when I was just looking for answers on how to do a lot of these things I had learned like this much about, but not really how to do. Sure. Um, and that was really where the overlap started. So I was working in CPA firms, working on taxes. I was learning about real estate myself. And there was a lot of questions on the forums and stuff that were a crossover. So while I was learning about real estate, I was helping other people answer their real estate tax questions. Um, and then it just built and I ended up really niched down. And in 2017, I started my own firm so I could work exclusively oh, nice. with real estate investors. Yeah, that, you know, that's impressive. And I think that, you know, it's one of those things as a real estate investor myself, when I first started out, I didn't think it was super important to have, um, somebody in the tax space who is really nuanced with that, right? It was like, oh, you know, let me just keep my old CPA and, you know, it'll be fine, right? Well, I found out very quickly that was not the case. And so, um, and I've actually talked to many investors who have who've kind of experienced this, right? So I love to hear mm -hmm. that you're kind of niched down and you really have a focus on real estate. So I would love to get your opinion on that, on really the importance of real estate investors seeking tax guidance from, you know, tax professionals who have an intimate knowledge of real estate uh, investing specifically. Is that something you kind of encourage a lot of your people to kind of seek out? Yeah, absolutely. So much so that I've literally, I'm in the education space too. I do a lot of like teaching for other accountants and other tax professionals, CE classes, because there's this huge gap in knowledge. Um, and part of the problem too is I'm sure a lot of your listeners have like run into this, but I think a lot of CPAs and a lot of tax strategists, um, they don't really look at real estate like a business in the same way as their mm -hmm. other clients. You know, so they talk to someone who owns a car dealership to them. They're like, yeah, this is a tangible business. You're like, oh, I bought a rental. They're like, well, that was stupid. You probably should have just kept it in your <laughs> 401k. Like they just don't get what you're doing. And then especially if you do anything creative, like you walk in and try to explain a subject to deal, and they're going to lose their mind because like, what right. do you mean this loan's not in your name? What do you mean? <laughs> so 
it's it's to the point where like my firm we end up correcting probably close to 40 percent of new clients prior returns um because every accountant will tell you they can handle a rental like oh yeah we do those all the time but they're not probably doing them right and if they are they're not doing them in the most advantageous way possible um so it's it's a huge benefit to you especially if you're going to like grow in real estate where you might go from just like the house hack to a 10 unit in the same year get someone from the jump who's going to be able to grow with like handle your growth not sort of learning what you're doing as you're doing it so yeah yeah i think that's massive and you know that's kind of what happened to me was like let's you know as we're growing, you know, we kind of retroactively go back and be like, okay, none of this was right, you know? Yeah. And so <laughs> you have to go and get it fixed. And and it's it's one of those things, you know, it's kind of frustrating. And again, uh, yeah. this is just kind of uh, my input uh, from, again, from people that I talk to. It's like, hey, you know, we're seeking tax advice. We want this to be done correctly, right? And so um, I think it's super important that you kind of go out and you find people who are kind of connected with that. And so with that in mind, do you have any tips or anything for for maybe real estate investors, newer real estate investors who are seeking a CPA? Like what kind of questions they should be asking stuff like that, just to make sure they're getting uh, aligned with the right person? Yeah, I would say kind of the biggest um like really good quiz questions that anyone who knows real estate well should be able to answer this offhand just sort of a or tell you like the the meat and potatoes of it not into like but the biggest things i would ask them is if and when a short-term rental goes on schedule c of your 1040 when it's reported as an active business okay. um, because that's something that is kind of newer and is nuanced it's not like black and white in the code you really need to be up to date on like the way tax courts have interpreted the laws and the cases on this. And like, you really have to kind of be in the weeds a little. So that's a big one. I'm asking if you're allowed to take a home office deduction if you only own rental properties and mm. asking them to clearly define real estate professional status and how to get it and how it benefits you. And anyone who works like even at a, like a vague level with real estate investors, like if it's just part of their client base, but they really understand it. Those are questions they should be able to like, answer off the like on the cuff or on right. the fly yeah pretty 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 standard questions right that could, should be yeah. answered okay good that's uh, that's a good piece of advice there especially for people who are looking to kind of you know find the right uh tax strategist or cpa right because again yeah. I've, I, I've i've been through at least a handful or two of tax strategist cpas trying to find the right one so and the other thing i'll add is you shouldn't be looking right now <laughs> We see oh, these posts right, every day right, yeah. where it's, you know, we're a month out from the deadline and people are like, I need someone amazing. And I'm looking for a tax <laughs> professional. And I'm like, I stopped accepting clients months ago. So like <laughs> summertime over the summer is when you want to find someone. If someone's sure. sitting around waiting for clients to walk in the door in April, there's a reason they're not busy. Like that should be, that's like the empty restaurant at dinner time. Mm. Like you've got to pack up and find somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a good tip too. I, I really like that, but you're absolutely right. This is not something you need to do at the last minute, right? You should have had yeah. this planned out months and months ago, you know, preferably the year before, you know, find somebody that aligns with your interests and then go with that. So, so let's dive into the, the weeds a little bit here. So I really want to ask about newer real estate investors, right? So we talked about finding a CPA, but there's probably some good uh, standard operating procedures for real estate investors. Maybe you kind of refer them like, hey, you need to be doing this and this for starting out. So, but I, I noticed when I first started real estate investing, you know, it was a spreadsheet. All my bookkeeping was in a spreadsheet, <laughs> which is was fine at the time because it was one property, right? But uh, at, at the same time, I didn't have a strong tax understanding or a foundation to really kind of like build upon, right? So when you're talking to new real estate investors, what advice are you giving them to like, hey, get them started on the right foot to where they're not having to backtrack and kind of, you know, make things better and more efficient on the back end? They can already just do that from the start. Yeah, the biggest thing I would say is having... Um 
having your information kind of organized in the way your accountant wants it from the beginning, like gotcha. that's huge because it's really easy for your professional to miss stuff if you're not giving them that information correctly, or if the information is kind of jumbled up. I think a lot of new investors, and this is almost more on the bookkeeping side, but a lot of new investors are like, oh, I'm going to send my accountant everything. They're getting a copy of every receipt. <laughs> they're getting every email I've gotten. Like, even though it's in the spreadsheet, they're also getting every document I've owned in the last year related to this property. But it can create kind of double entries of information. Things aren't clear. You know, if you are giving them a bill for, like, this happens a lot where we'll receive, like, a bill that says you spent a thousand dollars on a hot water heater, but then on your spreadsheet, it says 800 and I have to yeah. then ask like, why is, what's the difference? What else happened? Is this two hot water heaters? Is this a duplex? Like, <laughs> so just think about it from the point of view of if you were looking over your numbers and you had no idea about your property, like try to look at it from an outside point of view and look at schedule E, which is what your rentals will probably be reported on, on your 1040 mm -hmm. and look at that sort of list of categories and try to match them up and think about anything you have where if someone literally just looked at the document you're giving to your accountant or if they're just looking at that spreadsheet if it was going to trigger another question address it up front and that's one of the biggest things because you want your professional spending time with you on strategy and saving you money you don't want them charging you 300 dollars an hour to ask 50 questions so <laughs> be as concise as you can ahead of time and get your money's worth out of their time you're absolutely right. And, and I love that. And it's one of those things is like, if you can, if you can keep that outsider's perspective, somebody who has no idea what's happening with this property, that's the kind of stuff you want to submit, right? In, in an organized fashion, right? And so with that in mind, I know that, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, it's probably whatever that investor is used to using and will use is probably the best tool, right? But at the same time, I, I, and I know you agree with that, but at the same time, <laughs> do you have any sort of recommendations about bookkeeping in terms of whether it's an app or a software or whatever that maybe yeah. you kind of refer to your clients as well? Yeah, so like you said, starting with a spreadsheet, I think that's great. If you're good at spreadsheets, some of like, I'm gonna count, like, I love spreadsheets, right? If you sure. wanna rock a spreadsheet, go with a spreadsheet. Otherwise, Stessa, um, S-T-E-S-S-A, -S -S that's right. a really common bookkeeping software. A lot of clients love it. Um, where it kind of falls off and where you need actual QuickBooks is as soon as you have an entity. If you have a partnership return or a corporate return, anything where you're filing a separate tax return, you really need those full books because there's just way more to track. Um, and QuickBooks does a bad job without an actual bookkeeper. So as soon as you're gonna make that jump from like just you owning properties to partnering with someone, work it into your budget, plan to have QuickBooks and have a bookkeeper at least like checking in. Like once a quarter, they clean up and answer the questions of what you don't know how to do, keep it all organized. Cause again, you're, we don't want to step over dollars to pick up pennies by like yeah. cutting corners to save on bookkeeping. Um, when then you might be missing huge write-offs tax wise, cause the information wasn't where it should have been or organized correctly. So it's a business. We've got to, got to treat our rentals like a business. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It is a business. And you know, if you're able to save on, uh, your tax liability in any way, right. You definitely yeah. want to be taking advantage of that. Cause that's one of the, I think uh, a lot of people can agree taxes are one of the, the biggest wealth destroyers out there, right. In terms mm -hmm. of, you know, having to pay taxes. So, uh, obviously we want to make sure we're doing this right. And we're setting our CPA, our tax strategist up with, with the correct information and it's clear and all that stuff. Of course, there's going to be questions, but if we can do a lot of due diligence and, uh, work up on the front end, it's going to be better for everybody. Right. So, uh, yep. yeah.
Absolutely. So let's dive into a couple of things. So uh, a lot of people, you know, they usually typically real estate investors to start out with uh, a couple of properties, uh, maybe single family rentals, long-term rentals, uh, maybe short-term rentals, right? So um, if we can, can we talk about, I, I know we talked a little bit about uh, short-term rentals as well, but let's say, you know, you got a, a W-2 uh, professional, they're making six figures, probably somewhere in between, probably about $150,000 a year. Let's just say that. And they're running a, a short-term, they got a few short-term rentals, right? Yeah. Let's talk about some of the considerations that they need to be thinking about in terms of taxes, running that business, and then also, you know, just any sort of consideration they need to make sure they need to be aware of when they're they're speaking with their CPA, their tax strategist, and making sure that everything's being communicated correctly. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few key points. And so the the literal income that you brought up is really important because yeah. if you have a normal long-term rental at 150,000, um, everyone should either know this or they're probably gonna learn this this year. Um, if you make more than that, you can't always use your losses from your long-term rentals against your regular income. It's a passive loss limit. A short-term rental is like this magical unicorn of tax because if you have a rental with an average stay of under seven days, and if you materially participate, um, and there's seven different tests for that, but it's basically you spending okay. more time on the property than anyone else. So if you have it fully managed, if you're not doing it, eh, probably not. But if you are self-managing that property, you likely do meet the criteria. Um, so if you hit those two marks, then that property can be classified as non-passive, meaning that cap on losses is lifted. So oh, wow. what that means is like now if you create a loss using your short-term rental, you can offset your W-2 income from it. And there's very few ways to reduce your W-2 income if that's all you have. If you're just an employee, the tax code's written for business owners. It's written mm -hmm. for landlords. So this is a huge loophole. Um, please don't go buy a short-term rental that's just like terrible and will lose a lot of money. That's not what we're actually trying to do. Um, you're going to combine sure. it with a cost segregation, which is going to let you front load a bunch of depreciation use bonus depreciation, which is a fancy thing in the code that says you can write off a big chunk the first year. And the combination of these things, what this means is if you bought a million dollar property and we can take a $40,000, $50,000 additional write off the first year, that's gonna cut your W-2 income in almost in half. And you'll probably get higher than that, but um, it's just this really great loophole to be able to lower your W-2 income and have what's normally a better cash flowing asset than a long-term rental. Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. So so does that work with just say let's say one single one short term rental, right? But let's say I have multiple short term rentals. Does the same thing apply? Is there is there a limit to how many I can have to where uh, that applies as well? There's not. The only thing um, that you should be mindful of. There's a few things. This is another good question for an accountant when you're talking to one to see if they know what they're doing with real estate. Okay. Um, is because if you go to them and say I want to do a cost segregation on this single family house, if they tell you no one does that, that's only for big like apartment buildings, they haven't really dealt with real estate in the last 10 years. Cause that used to be the case. <laughs> sure. Like that yeah. was, they used to be super expensive. An engineer had to come out. Um, so it was only done on these like $10 million and up properties, but now you can do one online, do it yourself. We've got like, it's the future. We have AI for everything. Like you can do it for a few hundred dollars instead of thousands and thousands. So if they don't know what you're talking about, that's a red flag. Red but, flag. Yep. You can do it on a single, family home. You can do it on multiple short-term rentals in the same year. Um, there's two things to be mindful of. One is it might not be, even if you have 10 properties, you might not want to do all 10 in one year, right? There's a okay. bigger savings getting from like 30 something percent tax bracket to 10 than there would be from 10 to zero. So you might want to spread them out. So this is where working with like a tax strategist, someone who looks at the big picture and does planning with you is going to help um, because you might not want to get all the way to zero this year, or maybe you do, but 
there's no um, there's no rule saying you can only do it on one rental or 10 rentals or there's no cap. Um, the only thing to okay. be mindful of is there's something called a, a passive loss limit, where basically if your passive losses or I'm sorry, not a passive loss limit, an excess business loss limit, where okay. if that loss you're creating with your short term rentals gets above right about a half million dollars, it's like 520. Um, that it can be limited and it'll carry over. So oh, okay. if you're buying high dollar properties, you might hit that limit. Just be careful there. But for the most part, most people don't get that high uh, or don't yeah. have much taxable income to offset. Sure. Um, but that's the only, that's really the only cap. And even then it's just going to roll to the next year. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That's great information. I appreciate you going that level of detail as well, because that's a, a lot of great information for our uh, listeners who own short-term rentals. I do have a question though, Craig, and this is kind of a tangent and I will get back to some of the stuff you did before, but I, but I got to yeah. ask. So we've mentioned, we've talked about, you know, we've said CPA, we've said tax strategists, but they're not really interchangeable, correct? They're, they're, te they're technically, they can be very different, right? And there could be yeah. very good reasons to have both, right? Can you talk a little bit about that and the importance of, you know, those two things and why you might want to have both instead of just, you know, it's not just one thing. Yeah. And you, I mean, it, there's no one size fits all for anything. And sure, this is kind right. of the thing, right? So like I went to college for five years, I was sitting for the CPA exam. It's an exam that has only a quarter of it's even on tax. So it covers a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with tax, right. um, but it's just sort of this industry standard. They did better marketing than anyone else for yeah, like yeah, the first, yeah. yeah. So everyone thinks of a CPA, but there's a lot of CPAs who don't do taxes or um, where all they do is just tax preparation and they don't really know much outside of it. So I wouldn't get hung up on the credential um, okay. just because there's, I, I have clients who are CPAs, you know, like, sure. so it's not one, don't assume because they are that they know everything. The test covers this much of like the big picture. Um, I'm licensed as an EA, which is an IRS enrolled agent. It's a federal credential instead. Um, so I can practice in any state uh, and I'm not abiding by like state criteria if I move. Mm. Um, and then we use the term like tax strategist. That's something kind of vague and that's just someone whose specialty is on that. Um, and there's kind of a new credential that should be out this year. That's a real estate tax strategist, a certified real estate tax strategist. That'll be okay. even more specialized. So yeah. it's kind of very person to person based. Sure. Um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of hard to know who's going to be a good fit until you interview them, talk to them, see where their skill level is. I have colleagues who don't have any license and they're incredible at tax. Sure. And then I've seen some returns from CPAs who should have their license taken away. So like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ask the questions <laughs> for sure. And I think, yeah. I think the, the, the kind of thought there was that, you know, just because you're, you say you have a CPA doesn't mean they're going to be your tax strategist, right? They might not know anything yeah. about tax strategy. They might just be there to do your taxes, you know, kind of file your taxes for you. So um, like you said, ask good questions. That's going to be the, the, real assign there. And those two things are probably different services too. And I think a lot of sure. people are just okay. starting to realize that. So like they'll hear people on podcasts who are big investors and they'll be like, what do you mean your accountant saved you all this money, did all this planning? Like all my guy did was file my taxes and yeah. send me a bill. Like what the hell happened there? Yeah. Because you didn't pay him to do those things or yeah. that's not what he does. He just does tax returns. Like yeah. it's probably a different person or a different service. Exactly. Your normal accountant, they're going to bill you for every phone call. Like that's not who you want because they're they're um, transactional. They're just going to do your return. And if you're asking a question outside of it, they're confused. A tax strategist is going to work proactively with you. You're going to be talking quarterly or once a year or something like that, um, or multiple times during the year to look at what's coming up and not just look back at what happened and see what we can do with it. You're planning what you're going to do so that it can be done in the most tax advantageous way possible. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, both of those are very powerful. I was just saying, you need to be aware of what you're getting into and what you're not getting yeah. from, from that individual. <laughs> right. And yeah. uh, like I said, you may be really disappointed at one point, like, well, I'm not getting any of this. Of course you're not, because that's not yeah. what they do or <laughs> it's not what you asked for, you know? So uh, um, yeah, I just wanted to make that distinction. So we talked a little bit about this uh, to kind of diverge a little bit. We talked a little bit about this before the show, but the lazy 1031. So maybe we can talk about what a 1031 is and then talk about what a lazy 1031 is and how they vary. Cause you know, a lot of our listeners, again, they're they W2 employees. They might have a few properties. Also uh, a lot of our listeners, we really talk about passive investing a lot, LPs and syndications. Mm-hmm. And so that strategy of using a lazy 1031 uh, there to kind of defer taxes, maybe, you know, for a long time, right. Is can be super powerful for those investors. So let's touch on that a little bit. Maybe you can walk us through that in the details. Yeah, so I'll try to keep this kind of thousand foot view so that we don't get in the weeds on each. But 1031 um, is a section in the Internal Revenue Code that says that you can sell a piece of real estate. And as long as you reinvest the entirety of the proceeds into an equal or greater value piece of real estate, you're deferring the gain. So it doesn't disappear. Keep that in mind. You're just pushing it down the road for later. Um, You do have to kind of reinvest in something that costs more. If you downgrade, if you get any money at closing, um, it's okay, but that portion will be taxed that's fine. Um, But just know the whole thing now isn't tax free. And there's strict criteria for it. So like you have to sign up with an intermediary before you start if you've sold the property already, done deal. Um, And then you have to identify your properties within 45 days and close within 180. So especially the past few years, that was kind of hard to do with the way the market was. So Mm -hmm. a lazy 1031, there's a few different ways to execute these. But what it's typically kind of referred to as or what people will typically do is that passive real estate so like from your long-term rentals those losses we were talking about getting stuck passive income and passive losses are always in the same bucket so any income you have from an income generating rental including the sale of it any losses you have from any other income or loss generating rental they're all in the same bucket and they can offset so if in the year you're selling a rental if you have this hundred thousand dollar gain if you can create a hundred thousand dollar loss in that same in that same passive bucket um then you can offset them and still pay zero tax without having to meet all those intense criteria and timelines of a 1031. So that's what we'll talk about with a lazy 1031 is if you are going to sell this asset and create this large loss, if in the same tax year you buy a new rental, do a cost segregation and create an equal loss, you can offset it. Um, What I'll add is that before you do any of these things, you need to look on your tax return at your passive loss carryover schedule, your passive loss worksheet, and see if you have any of those. Because if Mm. your income was above that $150,000 and you had losses each year from your long-term rental, they didn't just disappear. They they just roll forward year to year and accumulate. So if you've had a property for 10 years and you had a $10,000 loss each year you couldn't use, you might already have $100,000 worth of loss just hanging out waiting to be used. You might not have to buy something new even. Um, So always check those accumulated losses first because they're like your piggy bank. It's like your piggy bank for losses. So like, even though you couldn't use it today, you'll get to use it one day. And when you sell is typically when, um, and that's what happens with a lot of passive investors. If you're invested in a syndication, um, because you're not materially participating, right? Like we invest in syndication, so we don't have to deal with tenants and toilets. So you don't get that loss year to year necessarily because you're not hands-on. So they're just building up. But most syndications have a big exit event five, seven years in. And when you have that big gain from the exit and the sale, you'll have all those built up losses to offset it. So keep track of that because 
those losses are something where if you switch software or switch tax preparer, um, it's really easy for them to get like not carried over to the new software. Uh, so you always want to check that if you know you haven't been able to deduct them in the past, you don't want to lose them because they're they're valuable. That's like losing like all the people who lost their Bitcoin like logins when that was first yeah. happening. <laughs> like it's the same thing. You got to keep track of it or it doesn't have any value. So yeah, always yeah. check for those. Yeah, that is a huge tip. And I know a lot of our passive investors who are, who are listening right now are going to be able to take that and really use that in, in, in their own portfolios, right? Because you're absolutely right. If you're not tracking that, it, I mean, you got to pay attention to these things, right? Because yeah. if they just vanish, then they're gone, right? And so I think that's a that's a huge tip. But uh, now I, I really feel like we can sit here and I could ask you questions about this stuff all day, but I, you know, we got to get you out of here. So um, it's been a great conversation. Um, before we get out of here, though, tell us more about you, your company, and what you guys got going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the best places to kind of find me, what I've got going on is Claudia Tax and Consulting is my main website. That's where I do um, real estate tax strategy and you know packages. Um, and then you can find me on social media. I'm pretty much real estate tax strategist or RE underscore tax underscore strategist on Instagram and YouTube. Um, so come follow along. And like I said, the big kind of thing I'm excited for coming out soon is a specific credential for this. So then you guys will know exactly who to look for who should know real estate tax. So follow me if you're interested in that and finding someone who is credentialed specifically to this. Absolutely. All listeners right now, if you're obviously real estate investors, reach out to Natalie. She's got a lot of good stuff going on. She'll be able to help you out. Natalie, this has been an incredible conversation. A lot of great insightful tips here. Uh, again, uh, we'll probably have to have you back on to, to dive deep into some of these things, but uh, after tax season, right? When it's a little less crazy, yeah. but uh, yeah. But anyways, yeah, uh, seriously, thank you for coming on the show today. It's been great. Thank you. Hey, real quick, before we get out of here, do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review for the podcast. We're always looking to bring you guys the best insights and strategies for building our real estate portfolios and your ratings and reviews really help with getting top guest speakers that are the best in the real estate investing business. I promise this will only take you a few seconds and I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for being awesome, guys. Cheers.